0: In episode 27 of Mosin at Large, an extended edition to give you something to listen to through these times, we'll be checking in with listeners from around the world about how the current COVID-19 situation is affecting them, a suggestion about another podcast you might like to subscribe to, and there's plenty of tech news in the mix as well.
1: Mosin at Large Podcast.
0: If you would like to be in touch with the show, Jonathan at mushroomfm.com is the email address. That's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at mushroomfm.com. You can attach an audio clip, say, using the Voice Memos app of your smartphone to that message, or you could just write down the email. You can also use the listener line, and that number is 864-60-MOSIN. That's 864-606-6736 in the United States. I also want to mention that, as most of you know, The Mosin at Large podcast is generated in the main from the Mosin Explosion radio show that I've been doing in some form or another for well over 20 years on the internet. And so many of us have come to know each other over that time. So at a time like this, I'm really reminded how important it is for us all to check in with one another. And we have grown to care about each other over that time. Mushroom FM also has an important role to play. We're coming up to our 10th birthday and we know that we're providing a lot of entertainment and familiar voices for people. Normally, during the week on Mushroom FM, I do what's called a voice-tracked show. It sounds quite live because of how good the technology is, but we make no secret of the fact that the show I do during the week, which is called The Board, is pre-recorded normally. What I do intend to do, really inspired by all of the listener contributions that we received ...for this show is make it live. I'm working from home anyway at the moment... ...and in New Zealand's time... ...the show goes out for the first time at 7pm... ...and then it's repeated at 7am... ...so outside regular working hours for me... ...and I don't have to travel anymore. So for the next little while at least... ...while we all get through the situation together... ...if you would like some live company... ...you'd like to be able to call into that show... ...and uh, just check in with one another... ...it will be live... And it won't be replayed. Both of those shows will be live starting this week for the next little while. So there will be an edition of The Board at 2 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time, given the time differences at the moment. That is 6 a.m. in the U.K. It is 7 p.m. in New Zealand, 5 p.m. Eastern Australian Time. And then we will do a second one 12 hours later. It won't be a replay. It'll be another live show. And I hope that assists you to get through these times. I hope everything's okay for you, wherever you are in the world. I've had a lot of emails this week. Interestingly, some of them have specifically said, don't mention my name or anything like that, but there are issues that I want to raise. And so I thought I would just throw those into the mix. I don't think I've ever received as many anonymous emails or emails from people who want to remain anonymous As I have this week. I don't know what that says about the times that we're living in, but a number of people have talked to me about self isolation and what it means for the blind community. What it surely does mean, of course, is that accessibility is so important and it illustrates why so many of us bang the accessibility drum at the best of times. So that essential services are around for us at the worst of times. And I hope that you do have access to online shopping that is accessible. Of course, then you've got to have access to online shopping that delivers in a timely manner and has what you need because of completely unnecessary panic buying. And it's like a virus. Oh, that's a very bad analogy. Sorry, I didn't intend. It's it's like a um. Well, it is. It's contagious because when some people start panic buying, then you get other people who think, Oh, I guess I'd better panic buy because people are panic buying and I might run out of what I need. It's a very hard thing to stop. There should be no need to do that. And if we all just calm down, we'll, we'll be okay and we get what we need. And, and equally here in New Zealand, the major provider of online shopping services is, is quite banked up and we don't have a stay in place order here yet we don't have that quite yet uh, i closed all our offices yesterday of the organisation of which i'm ceo and asked all my staff to work from home so we are escalating things here but we're not uh, we're not f- required to stay home at all times yet so you can still pop out to the supermarket and indeed even if we get to that high level you'll still be able to have someone pop out to the supermarket but we have uh, we ordered the last online shop i think bonnie did it on thursday or friday and the next available window wasn't until i think today it's coming Um, so it's taking a bit longer than normal and we are fortunate that it is quite accessible and our online shopping facility is seeking to find a way to quicker serve to serve more quickly those people who don't have any other choice if they use online shopping because you know when you go into a supermarket at the moment it can be quite difficult to get assistance understandably so And that raises another thing that people have been raising with me this week anonymously, and that is the blindness-specific elements of this situation. And I guess people don't want to be accused of whining, but there are some interesting blindness elements of this. For example, how do you make sure that you're grabbing the elbow that hasn't been coughed into? Because this is the new thing. It was drilled into us when I was a kid. Put your hand over your mouth when you cough. Don't spread the germs. But, of course, understandably, it's been pointed out that then the, the hand that you put over your mouth when you cough is then placed on other things. And, of course, some people even shake hands. And uh, I actually had a pretty significant meeting the other day. And it was like a reflex action, wanting to shake the hands of these people that I was meeting. And I knew I couldn't, and I knew they weren't going to extend their hand. So that was a very interesting situation there, just to, just to get used to. But so there is that, about grabbing an elbow that hasn't been coughed into. I'm also struck as a white cane user by how many surfaces I touch as I just go about my daily life. You reach out for the wall, or of course, you know, the handrail, or any number of things. So that's why hand washing is really important. One submitter this week did suggest something interesting to me, and that is that a lot of blind people choose home based options because for some who maybe don't have good orientation skills or various other reasons, maybe public transport isn't readily available to get where you need to be. For some blind people, being at home is less stressful and easier and that some blind people might be coping better with the self-isolation thing than some sighted people. So I guess that's an interesting angle as well. So there are many blindness-specific elements of this situation. Aaron is listening to us in the Philippines very early there and he says it's super boring staying at home for five days now. Uh, I guess it is. And uh, we're just going to have to be quite zen about this. I have found a very good new meditation app and all being well, I'm going to bring the author of that meditation app on the show next week. I will just say in general at this point though that if you have ever thought one day I will get into mindfulness and meditation, I think that day is now, especially if you've got a bit of extra time on your hands. Uh, it could be the thing that helps you through This process. And here's George McLaughlin. He says With the media discussing so many YouTube fitness videos for exercising at home, does anyone know of any resources with audio description? Uh, And he says, Just a thought coming from the socially distanced UK. And Sarah Hillis has already pointed out Blind Alive. I'm glad that she did because I bought all the – I bought the whole thing from the Blind Alive store when you had to pay. And I'm not sad about that for a moment because I think they did outstanding work with Blind Alive, Mel Scott and the various instructors. And uh, you can go to blindalive.com and I believe what Sarah is saying is that that material is still up there. So it's a very good thing to check out at a time like this. It's amazing how if you can stay physically fit and I know that not everybody has the tools to uh, use fancy equipment or the space necessarily. But these audio workouts can be done really easily and they can keep you fit. Physical fitness does help with mental fitness as well. So do check out Blind Alive, Sarah, assures me that they are still up there. Susan Constantini is tuned in. She says Ben and I are actually tuned in. New Jerseyans, I think, are all ordered to stay home. All the very best to you and Ben and everybody in that predicament. Glad that you have a delivery window that is so prompt, says Sarah. We just ordered our next month groceries yesterday so we could ensure a timely delivery window in April.
2: Hello, Jonathan, it's Grace here. Hello, Grace! Somebody came to the door uh, yesterday, a friend came to the door with a gift for me, and uh, they, they saw this uh, Rubik's Cube, I'm sure you'll remember it. Oh, yes. Um, they bought me one, It's uh, it's got like Braille on it, So uh, I've been practicing it, uh, but I've been practicing um, to to try and, uh, and do it. But I'm afraid at the moment I've not managed to get the hang of it. But never mind. It'll give me something to do, won't it?
0: Nice to hear from you, Grace. And you and Lloyd take good care of each other. The Rubik's Cube, now that does take me back. It hit New Zealand and, you know, the world was such a, a more isolated place. I don't know when the Rubik's Cube was a big thing everywhere else. I remember it hitting New Zealand in the very early 80s and lots of the kids had Rubik's Cubes. And long before I was at least aware of an official accessible version, someone made one for me by... I don't know how they did it, sort of hacking it a little bit so that they each each of the colours felt tactually different. And then somebody showed me how you can pull the cube apart and then put it together so that it's all OK, you know, so that it's all done. Uh, look, I can do the Rubik's Cube, yank. <laughs> I think that sort of defeats the purpose. They were good. And then they came up with all sorts of other Rubik products. Was he a mathematician? What can we find out about this? Soup drinker. Wikipedia Rubik's Cube.
3: Here's the Wikipedia article on Rubik's Cube. What? Rubik's Cube is a 3D combination puzzle invented in 1974 by Hungarian sculptor and professor of architecture Ernu Rubik. Originally called the Magic Cube, the puzzle was licensed by Rubik to be sold by Ideal Toy Corporation in 1980 via businessman Tibor Latze and Seven Towns founder Tom Kramer and won the German Game of the Year Special Award for Best Puzzle that year. As of January 2009, 350 million cubes had been sold worldwide, making it the world's top-selling puzzle game. It is widely considered to be the world's best-selling toy. Would you like me to continue?
0: No. But that was interesting, though. That was interesting. Thank you, Drinker. 350 million Rubik's cubes, and that was in 2009, so they're probably sold even more now. But then Rubik had a whole lot of other things. I liked the snake. I like the feel of that thing. Does anybody remember that? And there was a sphere, I think, as well, a spherical shaped one, all sorts of things. Good on you, Grace. And I think low tech toys like the Rubik's Cube are just the thing for these times, aren't they? Just the thing. If you can get one to be delivered to you at the moment. That would be a very good idea. I like the old Rubik's
1: Cubes. Hey, Jonathan. This is Christopher here. Hey, Christopher. Um, I wanted to quickly go over some things I would like to see with iOS 14. The Texas speech API would be really cool. Hopefully, it would work like keyboards do. So you have an app that provides an extension, and you go in and you say, yes, I want to use this as my speech engine. And then once you do that, you can use that with any application that uses speech. That would be really cool. Eloquence: I'm not a huge fan of eloquence, so I don't what what? I don't know if that would ever come into play on iOS. Also, I don't know if Apple would even be willing to put it in there, because from what I can tell, eloquence is well, the last update to it, I think, was about 12 years ago. Uh might actually be longer than that, so it's 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 really, really old, and I'm pretty sure it's not sixty four bit software
0: no but 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 Christopher, i'm going to pause you see I've got the prerogative I'm gonna, I mean I'm really really old, but hopefully people still think I have a bit of value i mean just because something's been around a while, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily hopeless. it's ubiquitous, I tell you, ubiquitous And anyway, they are running eloquence on uh, Samsung. Galaxy fancy schmancy new things. So presumably, code factory have ported it to sixty four bits, haven't they? Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll unpause you now, Christopher over there in Australia.
1: Oh no, no, he's not. No, so no, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't see why Apple would want to put really old code into because their it's good. operating system. No, but it would just, we'll be just be an E-Speak app. It would just is, be an app. ESpeak definitely is is doable, and I have a love hate relationship with ESpeak, but oh, well, I guess. Each to their own, but eloquence, I can't stand it. I would much rather listen to eSpeak any day. A few other things. Obviously, the ability to specify where voiceover audio goes would be really nice if they finally fix that. I know you can do it with the audio destination option and AirPlay, but it would be nice to let you use that to say, hey, I want voiceover audio to stay on my device when I'm using wired headphones or HDMI or Bluetooth. That would be really cool. The voiceover interactive tutorial would be really nice. Narrator has it now. The Mac has it. TalkBack has it. On top of that, I think Apple should make a detailed voiceover manual on the web that would teach you how voiceover works and how its features work. Having said that, too, they really should put in there a what's new section when they come out with a new version of iOS because Apple doesn't document what's new in voiceover at all, which really bothers me because it's their whole attitude towards it is, oh, well, here we did these things, but it's up to the people to find it out. It's like, okay, you can do that, but it would be nice to actually kind of know what was new and have an overview. For Braille displays, there should be a way to automatically scroll the Braille display, because I don't know about you, but I hate having to press the button over and over and over to pan the line of Braille. So I think the Ability to specify how long you wanted a line of Braille to stay up before it either panned to the next line or panned to the previous line would be really useful. So say, okay, I want to read my Braille for five seconds, and then after that, I want it it to pan. And also being able to choose which way it's scrolled, so either backwards or forwards, that would be very useful, depending on what you were doing. And the last thing would just be more control over verbosity. Uh, Definitely with activities. I know you mentioned a a while ago having more options in activities. That would be really nice because there are some options that are missing, like hints. Um, The other thing too would be more control over text formatting. So you could tell it what information you wanted and what information you didn't. So line spacing, um, indent level, All those things would be really useful to have and say, okay, I want to hear line indent, but not line spacing. Uh, And also the ability to customize that. So say I I want it to play a sound or I want it to read it out to me in speech, that would be very useful.
0: Chalk and cheese, you and me, Christopher. And that Australian accent is such a giveaway, isn't it? eh? Chalk and cheese. So I find eSpeak unintelligible I literally unintelligible i just cannot understand eSpeak uh, set at anything like a sensible speed and a lot of people absolutely love eloquence and the testimony to that is how many people got so excited when code factory made a generic sort of sappy windows version of it available people love that speech in general and if they can come up with an app, if Code Factory can put an app in the store using the new text to speech API that we expect in iOS 14, it will be one of the biggest selling apps in the blind community ever. I can promise you that. Now, a lot of people will love Eloquence for iOS, and I think that Code Factory should be able to pull it off if they are still able to get it out there and put it into. All the new Droid phones that are out there. I never use the auto-scrolling feature. See, I told you joking, cheese. I never use the auto-scrolling feature of my screen reader of JAWS. Uh, JAWS has that as well. But I don't use it because my brow reading speed is quite fast and I tend to fluctuate quite a bit. Uh, You know what I mean? So sometimes I read quickly and then I have to think about something. And so I don't like the kind of auto scrolling teleprompter thing, but I'm all for as many Braille features as possible. So if you would find that handy, then that's great. I used to not agree with you about Apple putting in a what's new section because, of course, iOS without the eye. That series that I used to do for Mosin Consulting was such a big seller. Man, we would sell squillions of those books. And that was because Apple did not put a what's new section in. And one of my great fears when I was doing that book was that they would. And, you know, I guess there would still be sort of room for a comprehensive overview of how to use the features if they had. But it was certainly a very interesting process every time that very first buggy beta of a new version of iOS came out. And I would start to delve into what would be a months long project, not only figuring out what Apple had changed and put into the operating system, but also how to use those features. So that was a very good, thoughtful contribution. Christopher Wright over there in Texas. I shall never forget that now. Never, I shall not forget it. And Kathy Blackburn says, it appears that for the time being, same day delivery of groceries from Instacart is a thing of the past. By the time I finished putting my order together this morning, the first available date was next Thursday. So this seems to be something that's a thing all over the jolly old place. Here's Caroline Taves. I absolutely can't stand eSpeak, she says. Now, if I could get Eloquence for the iPhone, I'd totally do it. You and a lot of people, Caroline.
4: Mosin at Large
0: Podcast. Christopher Duffley is in, and he says, although I do occasionally switch to vocalizer or sappy five voices, eloquence is my for sure go-to. That's an interesting expression. Eloquence is my for sure go-to when using JAWS or NVDA. He says, I do sometimes use eSpeak but eloquence is definitely the way to go for me. Here's Munewa, he says, Hi, I wanted to write you to let you know I'm so happy to hear you on air. When I think of my childhood, I remember, this message is making me feel very old. When I think of my childhood, I remember listening to you while you were hosting ACB Radio's main menu. You've been a big part of my life growing up. And it's great to hear such a familiar voice when so many things in life change drastically. This is the first time I've tuned in. Once I came to know about your show recently, and it's like a blast from the past for me. Thanks for being with us over the years and making a difference in many ways. That is such a lovely message. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that.
5: Hey, Jonathan, it's Craig Ferris sending warmest greetings to you from North Vancouver, Canada.
0: And to you, Craig. I
5: just, first of all, wanted to wish you and Bonnie and the rest of your family uh, safety during this crazy time. I hope you're all doing fine if you're isolated from home, you're keeping busy. I also just wanted to thank you for all of the work you do on a regular basis in educating and informing so many people about a variety of topics, but especially assistive technology. Uh, I have a career teaching assistive technology to blind people here in Canada, and I can honestly say there are two people who have taught me the majority of what I know about iOS and Windows and screen readers, uh, the first would be Jack Mendez from the Louisiana Center for Go the Blind. Jack that, that's literally changed my yeah. life when I uh, went there, and he really pushed me to learn so much. But the second is you. Even though you're 7,000 miles away, I've listened to your podcasts and your audiobooks for so long. And just the way you articulate things, I pass all of that information on to so many of my clients. I mean, just an example this week, of course, all of us um, are now working from home as well. And so we're switching a lot of our workshops and classes to online learning. And so your audiobook, Meet Me Accessibly, has just been fantastic, and I've been sharing it with a lot of my colleagues. It's kind of amazing, too, when you think of technology, because I live on a sailboat here in North Van. Really? And so every night I get rocked to sleep as the tide goes in and out, and every morning I wake up with the seagulls. And just this morning when I was walking up uh, to use the restrooms, there was a seal that hastily swam away as I walked by on the dock it's a pretty cool lifestyle but I'm still able to perform all of my work duties on my boat because I have an iPhone that I can make a personal hotspot with to use my computer and so (laughs) I can do technology trainings with groups of people all around British Columbia using Zoom or Skype or FaceTime from the comfort of my cabin, I just think it's amazing It's all done wirelessly. But anyway, my question, which I'm pretty sure you'll have the answer to. Oh, boy. Do you have any advice on having multiple App Store accounts? So my situation is, I divide my time between the U.S. and Canada, or at least I did before they closed the border. And um, I got my first iPhone when I was living in Louisiana, and so I set up my Apple ID with my U.S. address and my U.S. debit card. And then when I returned to Canada, I still kept using the U.S. Apple ID because I still have banking interests there. But now there's a couple apps I want to download in Canada that are specific to Canadian financial institutions and other things that I can't get because they're not available in the U.S. App Store. But on my U.S. App Store account, I've bought a lot of apps like VoiceStream Scanner, VoiceStream Reader, Premium Voices, a lot of the stuff you recommend. And I've read that if I create a new Apple ID with my Canadian billing address and my Canadian credit card and everything, that those apps will disappear and it would be hideous. (laughs) So I'm wondering if you have advice of how you can download apps that are only available in different countries and what the best way is to switch between Apple IDs. I know someone who's internationally minded like yourself will have lots of advice that No pressure, no pressure. So thank you so much. Keep up the great work. Stay safe and take care.
0: You take care too, Craig. And thank you for your very kind message. A sailboat, eh? That sounds quite nice, being blissfully rocked just sleep. Of course, everything has its downsides. And I'm sure when things get a bit choppy, not so much. I did an audio book on this subject, actually, in the Mosin Consulting store called Imagine There's No Countries. I need to check how relevant it still is. The Apple store thing, I think, is pretty much the same. What you should do is continue to use your primary Apple ID, the one that you already have, as your primary App Store account, I would suggest. If you're going to have an account in just one store, the U.S. store would be the one to get, I think, because there are so many exciting apps. And particularly in a blindness context, when a company like Microsoft releases something, it tends to go in the U.S. store for sure and then sometimes trickles out to other markets So I like my U.S. account for the App Store. What you can do is you can create as many Apple IDs for as many App Stores as you like. And when you want to make a purchase or even just download a free app, you go into the App Store app and you sign out of your primary ID. And then you sign in and you make your purchase or download your free app. You do have to be mindful that unless you can have a payment method from the country in which you're purchasing, and you will, of course, I presume you do have a Canadian credit card living in Vancouver. So you'll be able to just associate that credit card with your Canadian Apple ID to make Canadian purchases. Usually the other way around it is to get an Apple gift card and top it up with credit Because typically Apple does require a payment method that has a billing address in the country that you're purchasing from. So the way around that is there are all sorts of places you can go online and buy credit. So I have accounts in the Australian, the UK, the US and, of course, the New Zealand App Store, which is my primary one. The latter is my primary one now. You have to sign out of your primary account and sign in every time you want to get a new app from that store. But the cool thing is that once you've made that purchase, if you do this, if you sign out and in from the Apple Store app itself, from the App Store app, then when there are updates to your apps, you get them even if you are not signed in to that Apple ID. So when I get updates and I get a lot of them every morning, it's kind of like Christmas every day. What's under the virtual Apple Christmas tree today Mr Cook I wake up and I look at my updates and all the updates have come in from all the accounts that I have and you don't have to be as long as you've, you've signed in before on the phone and Apple knows that you you've signed in with the credentials you get the updates from all the stores so I stay signed in to my New Zealand account only sign in to any of the other accounts when I want to buy a new app or download a new free app but all the updates come from all the stores so it's actually quite simple more details of all of that Malaki, are actually available in the Mosin Consulting book, Imagine There's No Countries. And thank you for your comments about Meet Me Accessibly. As most people know, I'm not doing Mosin Consulting anymore because of the new job I have, the job I have been doing since June of last year, which is uh, to be chief executive of Workbridge here in New Zealand. And um, every so often we, we, we keep the books up that – I made when I was doing Mosin Consulting full-time. So we keep the books uh, in there and every so often I check to make sure that they still have enough relevance to be in the store. And every so often I also check in to see how things are doing. So I checked in, I believe it was Monday night, my time, and I saw a massive spike in the number of people who had bought the Mosin Consulting Zoom book, which is called Meet Me Accessibly. And I put two and two together and realized that the reason why that was happening was clearly because uh, a lot of people wanted to or needed, actually needed to buy that book because people were working online. Aren't we fortunate that so many people are standardizing on Zoom because it is such an accessible platform on multiple devices, multiple operating systems. So it's just great that they are so committed to accessibility. So I thought to myself, I just don't feel comfortable at all profiting from a need during a crisis like this. And so uh, the first thing I did was I went back and I refunded everybody who had bought the book during the month of March, which took quite a while because it really was a big spike. So I refunded everybody in four and then I just made the book freeware. So you can, if you need it, go to org slash Zoom and download my free now audio book on Zoom. And I hope it helps Brian Gaff in the UK Says, we are not confined to home here yet, but we are supposed to keep two meters away from others. Yes, that's also the same here, Brian. He says, this poses issues for me as nobody now offers to help you with an arm, which of course they may have coughed and do anyway, Brian. Also, the queue issue that's uh, what the UK calls uh, a line. I know that in the US they don't tend to use the word queue. You cannot tell how far you are away. And there's a lot of tut-tutting because you can't tell somebody's off to the side. Yeah, so you're effectively cue-jumping and you don't know it. That's awful, isn't it? I don't have a good uh, good spatial skills, says Brian, but that's just me. Well, there's a lot of blind people in that predicament too. He says there are lots of people offering to help online. And we're trying through the talking newspaper to let people have the telephone info for these groups Because those setting them up, of course, assume all are online as well. Not their fault, but as you say, can be divisive. The talking newspapers in the UK are a real interesting thing. It's kind of quite, it's part of the blindness culture in the UK. They have a lot of these talking newspapers and they do a really good job. And I'm sure that they're proving particularly helpful at a time like this. So good on you for doing what you're doing, Brian. Peggy says... When I got my first Rubik's Cube, I labelled it in Braille. I found a print how-to book by James Newers and read it with my Opticon to learn how to do it. Can't remember how now. So you actually successfully completed the Rubik's Cube. There you go, Piggy. You're a genius. You're a genius. And May's back again. She says, uh, Ray and I went to the shops a couple of days ago, and there was hardly anything in there at all. A friend of mine tried to book a delivery slot, and there wasn't one for a whole month.
5: Jonathan
6: Mosen, Mosen at Large Podcast.
0: Dan Fry is tuned in. He's teleworking as of uh, this week. Yes, we're all teleworking in my organization because I closed the offices yesterday, we are seeing great leadership from Jacinda Ardern, our Prime Minister, who has just been a remarkable leader through this crisis. And she has outlined a um, four-stage alert system. So New Zealand knows exactly what will happen with each level of alert and what we need to do. And we moved to alert level two yesterday. New Zealand now has 53 cases of uh, COVID-19, we moved to alert level two, which essentially instructs those officers that can to close if work from home can continue. Obviously, uh, everybody now who goes to a bar or a restaurant, anything like that, has to sign in with their name and contact information. And that's so that if there is an outbreak that can be traced back to that restaurant or facility, we can trace back uh, who was there and who might need to test. She's been an absolutely fantastic leader. So uh, we're we're very, very fortunate. And uh, Dan makes the point that he has heard that there is COVID-19 in the Southern Hemisphere, which makes him wary uh, of the fact that that this virus can exist in warmer conditions. Absolutely, it can. There is absolutely no difference. It thrives in any condition. This is a a misconception that some people in the Northern Hemisphere have who are hoping that when the weather gets warmer, suddenly things will come right. The only thing that really makes a difference seasonally about COVID-19 is that people tend to get closer to each other in the winter months. So it's physical proximity that um, tends to increase in in the winter months. People sort of packed into buses or just sort of closer to one another, but it doesn't affect how virulent the actual virus is. So, unfortunately, summer is not going to be some sort of panacea for the Northern Hemisphere. Here's uh, Roger Peterson who says, Benice and I are here from two miles down the street from Google headquarters in Mountain View, California. Well, that's handy. Regarding independent mobility, I was born blind. And was a dog user for some years and a cane user for half a century. I walked alone and took public transit a lot. But now some of those capabilities have gone away and I don't travel independently anymore. Much of it is my poor hearing, says Roger, but it also includes impaired balance and spatial orientation. Your balance does get affected by those hearing issues. So it isn't always not learning orientation. By the way, I just downloaded your Zoom book. Yeah, take care, Roger. Certainly the added complications of hearing impairment to mobility is something that we we often don't think about. Here's Linda Mamrush. Hello, Linda. Recited guide. I was looking at it from a different perspective. I wonder if the other person will object to being so close to me. Don't stand so close to me. There you go. (laughs) It certainly would not be adhering to the six feet apart rule. No, it would not. This virus is affecting everything and everyone on so many levels. I have auto shipments arranged for my guide dog's food. The kibble and treats, which are both prescription diets, were ordered this past Tuesday and my card was charged Generally, the order would have gone out that day and arrived within one or two days. As of today, the website was saying preparing to ship. New customers are apparently placing orders and probably pet people are going nuts, like the toilet paper craze. So the warehouses can't keep up. I'm just so worried about all this with the food and feel like I truly have no control. While I still have some kibble left, the treats are just about finished and the poor dog doesn't understand about any coronavirus. Finally, I live in an over 55 complex. It's not a nursing home, nor is it an assisted living facility, just apartments for people over 55. As many residents are quite elderly and have some medical issues, the management has essentially locked down our building. This means no visitors and any deliveries must be left in our mailroom. I feel like a prisoner in my own home. Thanks for the opportunity to vent about all of this. Thank you, Linda. I'm sorry that this is proving such a difficult experience for you, and it is for many people. I can't offer any false comfort, of course, except to say that it will pass. We're going to get through it. We are obviously going to have to make... Uh, some difficult sacrifices you know it's not going to last forever we don't know quite how long it is going to last but it's not going to last forever and we're going to we're going to make it through but i wish you all the very best during a difficult time and i hope that we can uh, provide you some sort of comfort during the uh the next few well i suspect months actually because one of the key things about this virus situation is that we don't have a vaccine And so there will probably be waves of this, I suspect. We might be able to relax the restrictions for a little bit and then we'll find another wave comes. That will be the ideal situation, frankly, because what we want to try and avoid is a massive spike in the curve, which places so much of a strain on hospitals and other health resources that we can't cope. And that's really what this is about. So I hope you can get something. And I presume that if you can't get the usual treats, There will be some food available in some way, Linda, so that your dog will at least be able to eat. But we're with you here, Linda, and I hope that we can help in some small way by providing you with some entertainment. Time now to speak with Mushroom FM celebrity and musician extraordinaire, Sarah Hillis. Welcome, Sarah.
3: Well, thank you, Jonathan. It's good to be on the show. That's right. And you can't castigate
0: me because I'm having you on the show and it's all very nice. And plus, we're all being nice to each other at the moment.
3: Yes, we have to be kind and happy and loving.
0: The world needs it, man. The world needs it. And what the world also needs is some nice music and something a bit soothing at this time. You came up with a really good idea for a podcast that you're launching. But before we get to the podcast, a bit of background about... You and why you are launching a podcast like this. You have been a musician for what a very long
3: time. A very long time, off and on, uh, you know, between university, you know, tours and all the rest of it. <laughs> um, I've just I've been setting poetry to music for about twenty years, give or take. Not every single day, every single year, obviously, but over that period of time, I've released two albums. And I'm actually contemplating re-releasing one of them with better sound quality and better recordings and such, but we'll see. And I just thought I have a bunch of songs that I've written and I've sort of recorded small versions of them for my radio show called Come by the Hills here on Mushroom FM. And I thought, well, I called them simple singles. And I sort of thought maybe they could be soothing singles, you know, for this, you know, people are doing, people are doing things called Quarantunes. That's a new word. I've heard mm. they'll, get, they'll get on their balcony or something and they'll play a tune for people. And-
0: well, this seems <laughs> to be the big thing in Italy at the moment. And it's actually quite rousing and helping people through a difficult time. So it's quite a nice concept. But I have to say, when I first heard the name Soothing Singles, I thought, oh, Sarah's doing a dating podcast or something like that. You know, like a, a blind <laughs> da- blind dating podcast. But it's not that at all. It's, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> Soothing Singles. No,
3: Sing- no, not me. Uh no it's I just call them singles cuz they're not an album and they're a song hopefully a day that's what my description says a song a day for solace and consolation best taken with plenty of tea or of course your 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 beverage of choice i suppose <laughs>
0: yeah and so these songs would be stuff that you've written and therefore are able to put in the public domain or i guess they could be just public domain because they're quite elderly the songs
3: uh, yeah, like, uh, I would do my own songs or, or folk, folk songs. Um, right now they're pre-recorded, but I, I may be, you know, I- introducing some like recorded live to the podcast. It wouldn't be a live stream, of course. Uh, don't feel, don't feel up to that quite yet, uh, for the, the, the idea of the podcast, but, uh, just re record it live from the floor and, uh, see where it goes and, uh so then I can bring the harp into it because uh, these are all done with piano and I know people really like the harp. So
0: <laughs> You've got a keyboard there, right?
3: Uh, yeah, I do have a digital uh, Yamaha keyboard.
0: They do good piano <laughs> sounds on the Yamahas, don't they?
3: Yeah, they do pretty well. This one's – I think it was an older model when I bought it, but it's – what is it, the P180 or something? So it's not the full, full, full uh, with the whole – you know, wooden finish and all that. It's on a stand, but it's, it's, it is a proper, it has proper piano keys and uh, such like. So.
0: And the cool it's, thing is the way they sample now the key, the piano at different um, rate, uh, parts of the keyboard. So it sounds authentic. I remember the first time mm-hmm. I got a digitally sampled keyboard, I think they would make one sample of a piano and it sounded pretty normal at about middle C, but by <laughs> the time you got to the lower or higher octaves, it was definitely a sample. It's, it's pretty good nowadays.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's getting better all the time.
0: So you play, play piano, a keyboard, you play harp as well. What other instruments do you play? You play just about everything, don't you?
3: Everybody says that. Um, I can play some chords on a guitar. That's how I'll put it. I have played flute before. My flute is not in working order right now, but that's okay. I have to get it overhauled. I have played the accordion. I have played the African djembe hand drum. I have played (laughs) the tin whistle and various other things like that. Yeah, I don't know if I can play all these, but I have done it.
0: (laughs) Very good. And so we'll hear you play predominantly keyboard and harp on your podcast.
3: Yes, I think that's how it will work.
0: And at the moment, as we put this together, the show is not showing up in iTunes, which is the directory. I think they call it officially Apple Podcasts now, so we've got to get with the lingo, but... It will, it will be there soon. It takes a wee while for the submission process to do its thing. And they also submit – you're doing this through Anchor. So they also submit to Spotify and other places. So when it yes. goes through, it should be quite widely available.
3: Yeah, it should go to Spotify, Google, Apple, and uh, things like that. I, I would have to do more to get it on, like, Stitcher and places like that. But none of us use – very few of us would use Stitcher because it's kind of – Not that accessible. I've I've been told it's built
0: into Sonos though, so that's nice.
3: Oh well, but you could still. Hopefully, it'll get into TuneIn via I don't know Google or wherever. I don't know how it gets into TuneIn, but.
0: you can submit yeah, it we'll in the Tune in Directory to It's a process getting up and running with the podcast. But for for the geeks, I mean, it's going to be good, and I hope people will uh, subscribe to your podcast and have a listen. I will be doing that. But how are you finding Anchor for the for the geeky side of the show and the people who like to geek out? Perhaps you can describe Anchor for those who aren't familiar with it, because I think it's quite a democratizing thing that people can do these podcasts, you know, without necessarily throwing a lot of money at it.
3: Yeah. Um. Full disclosure, Anchor is a Spotify uh subsidiary now, but it didn't start out that way. Um I first got in touch with it as a possible replacement for audio boom, which was which was losing its community sort of uh spirit. Anchor does have a function like that. You can you can leave messages for each other, which is cool. But it's it's now become it's now sort of marketing itself very much as the easiest way to make a podcast. So it's a free service. I don't even think they have I forget if they do have um a, a paywall. They might have a paywall, I don't remember uh it's mostly free uh, i believe it's
0: completely free I don't, yeah, think I, think it's, I don't think
3: they have any uh, pre- premium yeah. stuff you can tell them to use their logo on your stuff or not use it so that's kind of neat they have like musical background bits and things you can you can add in behind your voice and such if you want to do that that's copyright to them so if you ever switched to another uh, podcast platform shall we say that'll be a problem so you, you wouldn't get those those things but your content is yours. Uh, they have really no right to your own content. I do all my publishing via the phone. So I, re- I record, uh, using my PC because I'm a stickler for sound and such. And then I make my files and then I, you can import them into the anchor library, which does take some space on your phone, but you can always delete things after you've published it, right? So you import stuff into your library from the files app. So you're, you're uploading it to the iCloud and then, uh, yeah, importing it via that. Uh, easy, easy peasy lemon squeezy um, to do that. And then when you want to publish, when you want to make your episode, if you want to do a, just one single file, you can do that. But if you want to just edit, so have an easy to put together kind of template for an episode, you can just have segments. And you have to upload the segment in the order in which you want it to appear. So the first one first, the second one second, the third one third. To my knowledge, you can't move it around, but it's pretty accessible there are a couple unlabeled buttons here and there, but not in the publishing process. I, th- I think it's pretty much labeled and, and lovely. And it was less accessible when I first used it in 2017. It was, it was It's more accessible than it used to be.
0: Yes, I do remember uh, people doing a bit of a rant on Twitter at the time, uh, getting on at and this was before Spotify acquired them saying that they really need to improve their accessibility. And it sounds like they have done some work on it. But also you can do the whole thing on your PC, which might stream the workflow, but I'm not sure if you've investigated how accessible that is to actually record your segments on the PC and then put it together using the PC in a web um, browser. The,
3: the reason I use the phone is that it's a better experience. I tried looking at publishing it via the PC, and they were just like just annoying little like it's a browser based, of course, publisher. And it, it, there's just some annoying things about some edit fields being hard to use and uh so a, a lot more unlabeled buttons actually. At least from from my perspective, maybe you know other screen readers than what I use would be better, but uh, I I doubt it very much. So yes, the the website side of things needs more work than the app does okay. on accessibility. I would say.
0: So that's anchor, and it's anchor dot fm, isn't it?
3: Yes. So anchor, it's anchor like okay. like the boat anchor. Very good. Anchor. Yes. Yes. Yep. yes.
0: And the podcast is Soothing Singles, and we expect it imminently to be available in all the services.
3: I'll be launching the first full episode on Monday, but I don't know if it will be in the services by then. But I can always tweet the RSS again, and you can add it manually to your podcatcher of choice if you wish to do that.
4: Hey, Jonathan, it's Mike Fair, and uh, wow, I mean, what a... What a turn for the strange uh, over the past week that everything has taken. I feel very fortunate uh, to be in the apartment I'm in here with uh, my good wife, Sarah, and we have family close by. My parents, of course, are older, so I am very conscious of that. Uh, I actually helped uh, mom uh, a, few, a couple of days ago uh, do her very first... Grocery Gateway order. That's an online service that that we've used for. Well, I've used for <laughs> must be twenty years, and they've always been great at delivering the groceries. And uh, all of a sudden, the next uh, uh, day that we could possibly get our order was like April first. So, yeah, I was very happy that this happened in the middle of the month, and as as opposed to the end when we were running, you know, out of stuff and thinking we could get, you know, the next order right away. It, this all happened so quickly. Uh, I think it will uh, perturb a lot of people. Uh, And I think that's something we should be mindful of as blind people. We're used to doing a lot of stuff online, uh, used to that being the most convenient way often to get stuff uh, for ourselves. And now, all of a sudden, that skill is really in demand. So I've said to people at my church and uh, things like that, look, if I can help talk you through uh, different tech processes, things like that, and, of course, with the guide uh now, all of a sudden, it seems all the more important that I do it right and do it quickly and uh get it out there as i've scheduled at the end of April It's sooner if I can, but i i'm not going to cut corners after working on this for three and a half years, but uh, I am very conscious of you know more people might be coming to the smartphone or tablet who might not have earlier uh they they might be sort of pushed in that direction because now these things are becoming vital for staying connected, for entertainment, for all the stuff that uh, is, is less obtainable in other ways now. I was able to cheer up uh, my nieces and their family. They just got back from a vacation. Thank God everyone's back safe. Uh, they came in just as that advisory to self-isolate happened. And uh, so that's what they're doing, of course. Um, and so they came back from, from Carolina. I can't remember which one. Uh, back up into Canada, uh, completely changed their vacation plans. <laughs> and uh, I was able to tell them about Frozen 2 streaming on uh, Disney, and uh, they were able to, uh, to to get that. So glad I was able to sort of add a little something to their day. But that's the kind of thing I think we all ought to do. Uh, those of us who are used to looking around the Internet, finding out what's going on, there's a lot of good out there online and uh that 's part of what i 'm i'm becoming more conscious of is is making sure I spread the word about uh, good things good things happening artists uh people in the games industry uh, authors there are so many people stepping up to the plate to uh, try and help everyone cope with this this sudden change so uh and uh, certainly what you 're doing is is a very good part of that and uh, looking forward to hearing more of you as as this unfolds and, and, of course, the rest of the show today.
0: Thanks, Mike, and you're right. Many of us think that the skills that we have acquired with our technology over the years are not terribly transferable, and in an environment like this, we are. If we have family members that we can get to and spend time with safely, and, of course, that will vary depending on where in this cycle we each are, but if you can get to a relative who's less tech savvy, make sure that they are connected correctly to Wi-Fi that everything's going well, you might want to download some additional apps or media for them, then that's a contribution that we can make. Also, the Brits have come to rely on the BBC in a time of crisis. I read a media release from them last week about just how much they are doing in the UK to provide additional Information. Some of their programming has been discontinued for the time being or will be. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But they're also delving into their archives and digging into all those episodes and series that have been done over the nearly one century that the BBC has been around. So you're absolutely right. There is plenty to do to take our minds off things. And I can't overstress the value of music at a time like this. You have to be careful about the music you listen to, I think, at a time like this because music is a very powerful thing. It can make you happy and it can also make you very sad. But sometimes there is amazing benefit to be gained from just turning off the push notifications for a while and listening to some great music or reading an entertaining book or laughing at a comedy or something like that. The notifications will be there for you when you come back. And it can be incredibly replenishing. Here's Betty Gray who says, Hi, Jonathan. I have bought your books for years. Well, thank you so much for doing that. My husband and I are faithful podcast listeners. I suggest if you bust these, if you bust these... Use a tissue so I can grab your elbow without worrying if you are safe to walk with. Well, that would be the ideal scenario, wouldn't it, Betty? Absolutely. I suppose people are saying if you get caught short and you start sneezing and you don't have the, the uh, hygienic option like a tissue, then you may be able to sneeze into your elbow. But yes, it certainly poses a little bit of a dilemma uh, for those of us who are um, hoping to get some sighted guide That won't put us in any sort of danger. Kerry Regan affirms that she is still in New York. She says things are increasingly bad here. The governor's closed down all non-essential businesses. And like many others, I'm having trouble getting groceries. Instacart claims they won't be able to get anything to me until next Thursday. Wishing you all the very best and, and everybody affected in that way. Ian Lackey says we are listening here. Did you hear last night's arches? It sounds like Philip is extremely dodgy. Yes, that was a bit of a... That was a bit of a bolt from the blue, wasn't it? We thought Philip was such a nice man. Oh, my word. I wonder where that is going. It is funny how certain things really bring home to you the nature of what we are living through. And for me, there were a couple of things that did that over the week. Obviously, I I consider myself very fortunate, and you may think that it's a strange thing to say, I consider myself very fortunate to be so busy. When you are running a national organization, 22 offices around the country, 100 plus, 122 odd staff to worry about, you just have to keep going. You have to focus. There are decisions that constantly need to be made. You have to, first of all, put the safety of your people first, and then Think about the economic implications of my word. There are many of those. So I haven't stopped. And in a way, that's a blessing for me because I'm just totally into functioning and leading and and getting everyone else through this. But I read something on Twitter the other day that really stopped me in my tracks. And it was actually from The Archers' Twitter account. Now, for those who aren't familiar, I've got to remember that we have new listeners all the time. The Archers is a BBC radio drama. And it has been going continuously since 1951. No, I was not around for the first episode, but I have been listening to it since the 1970s. In the early 1980s, they took it off the radio in New Zealand and I was broken hearted. (laughs) I wrote to the Minister of Broadcasting, who wrote me an official letter back and said, this is an operational issue, go away. It was my first ever little bit of advocacy where I wrote to a government minister because I was so upset about losing the archers. Then there was a sort of a taping tree system organized where the archers was sent on tape to a few blind people who were interested in it from the UK. And then, of course, it came on the internet. So I've been listening since the 70s. And it's a great series. And if you do need something to do at the moment while you're stuck at home, get into the archers. A lot of people feel hesitant about doing it because they say, well, it's been going so long, how will I ever pick it up? But you'll pick it up. I mean, it's kind of like just walking into a community, you know. Uh, and anyway, so I, I love the arches. It's a it's a really important part of my life and has been for a very long time. And the Archers Twitter account tweeted the other day something very interesting. They said, we do have sufficient arches episodes in the can to last for some weeks. But we may get to the point where we run out. And they are apparently investigating ways to keep it going I would have thought that as long as the archers' actors have access to a good internet connection the BBC can send them a microphone and a little bit of gear use technology like clean feed that's actually the technology Sarah and I just used to have our conversation and that sounded very sweet didn't it, it sounded like we were in the same studio they could put it together and they may have to put a disclaimer on that says the quality may not be up to normal standard but it could be done If they do run out of Archers episodes, and a lot of BBC dramas and feature news programs are being curtailed at the moment because of self-isolation, I wonder if there has ever been a time when a weekday evening episode of The Archers has ever been preempted, because I can't remember one in the times that I've been listening through the BBC, to the point that even on the day that Princess Diana died, the 31st of August, 1997, that was a Sunday. I believe they didn't run the Omnibus, which is just a repeat of the week's episodes, but they did run the evening episode of The Archers. They had a little segment at the beginning where Jill, one of the main characters, was sort of praying at St. Stephen's, which is the church in the parish of Ambridge, but they did run it. So I wonder whether The Archers has ever been preempted in this way. Maybe, Ian, you know, you're a fountain of knowledge, aren't you? But gosh, if The arches goes away, I will miss it. And I also wonder how they will possibly catch up. How will you catch up? <laughs> anyway, check The arches out. It's available as a podcast. You can get the Omnibus Editions, which is just one big, long episode every week. It comes out on a Sunday UK time, and then you can get the 12-minute episodes that come out every day except Sunday, uh, every day except Saturday, I'm sorry, and um I I listen to that because I just can't wait for my daily Archer's fix.
7: Hey, Jonathan, it's Steve Bauer out of Wichita, Kansas. Hey, in Steve, the United States of America. I've got three quick points that I want to share with you. First. I almost consider it bullying, although it probably could be more commonly known as discrimination. But when you are applying for a job, the person in management that is interviewing you in their own mind, they say, I don't know how a blind person could do that job. So I'm going to hire the sighted guy instead before they even take a moment and say to you, how would you do this job? So you're sort of knocked out of the running before you even get started. Is it discrimination? probably, but I also consider it to be bullying because they are pushing their weight around and not treating you fairly. Second, I want to talk about men's billfolds or wallets. When it comes to the sciatic nerve, it seems that women are more affected by this than men, but men can be affected by it, and it's very painful. I've not experienced it myself, but I know several people in my family who have, and it's not fun at all. For men who carry their billfold or wallet in their rear pocket, that is the worst place you can carry it, because when you're sitting down, because of the thickness of the billfold, whether you're carrying around a whole wad of cash or a stack of credit cards, then you're sitting off center and your spine is pressured in one way or the other, which in some cases can cause the sciatic nerve to be affected. Several years ago, I began carrying my billfold in my front pocket, which obviously is really safer because it's typically not going to fall out of that pocket and it's easy to get to. Finally, when it comes to video doorbells, I've been doing a lot of research and investigation. And as I am recording this message, I have got my video doorbell installed and working. I chose the Nest doorbell, which Nest is owned by Google. And as I am just really beginning to experiment with the app, I will say that on my iPhone, the app appears to be completely Accessible and is working nicely. I've got a lot to learn yet, but so far it's really looking cool. So remember, the next time you order a Corona, ask them to hold the virus.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, Steve. Good to hear from you. And you raise a cap. Uh, you raise three, three. Count them, three. Very interesting points. Going back to the employment thing. Obviously, this is my bread and butter at the moment, running an employment agency for disabled people here in New Zealand. So it's something that I think a lot about. I don't know whether I agree with you about it being bullying. I think for bullying to have taken place, there has to be a deliberate intent to offend or upset or something like that. And I'm sure that deliberate discrimination does take place where people are very mindful that a blind person could do this job, but they're just being belligerent or whatever. But I don't think that's very common at all, certainly not in this country. I think what we face more than bullying in this area is actually ignorance. And you're right. You're absolutely right in what you say that so often people look and they say, gosh, if I were blind, I couldn't do this job. Therefore, neither can they. And I guess you can say, and I think with some justification that they have an obligation to just research this a little bit more. And this is one of the problems that we face, particularly when unemployment is high. And uh, one thing that we can be sure of is that unemployment is skyrocketing around the world. The best that we can hope for from this situation economically speaking is a significant recession that's the best we can hope for even though there's going to be a lot of stimulus that is going to be channeled into various economies uh, we will be lucky to get out of this without a global depression and hopefully we can avoid that so unemployment will be very high and it is tough for disabled people when you have a labor market in that situation so that's why disability confidence is so so important in educating people and it's one of the bits of work that we do in my day job that is so important, just trying to change those perceptions. But it is incredibly frustrating because it almost feels like we've got to just prove ourselves even more than the average worker does, the average job applicant, that first of all that we're up to the task and then there's this whole disability angle to get on top of as well. And I understand how frustrating that can be for sure. It is really frustrating. Regarding your second thing, that's an interesting point you make about wallets and things of that nature. And there is a coronavirus angle to everything at the moment, isn't there? That COVID-19 angle. And the COVID-19 angle here is, I reckon that this virus is going to much quicker hasten the end of cash. And I think that's pretty marvellous, actually. Uh, People will want to move more quickly to electronic solutions here in New Zealand we're quite wired in that way so you can use Apple Pay at a lot of places not specifically because Apple Pay has been adopted but because contactless payments and things are, are quite a big thing. I'm not saying that it's universal but there's a lot of it around and uh, to promote its use the banks in New Zealand have waived the fees that merchants normally have to pay when using contactless payments because obviously it's a lot more hygienic to go ping with your phone or even wave your little money card in front of a reader than it is handing over cash that has circulated through the economy, literally changed hands lots and lots of times, and goodness knows where it's been by the time you've touched the cash. Cash has been banned from a lot of public transport in New Zealand, at least for the time being. And good on you regarding the doorbell. I'll be really interested to find out how you get on with that doorbell. I regret buying the Ring video doorbell if anybody reads tech news They will have seen all of the problems that Ring has encountered. Uh, They seem to be a bit fast and loose with people's security. And frankly, the audio quality of the doorbell when you talk to someone through the app is horrible, horrible. If someone with a hearing impairment, I do struggle with it sometimes. So I'd be interested to hear how the Nest doorbell is in terms of video quality. And if anybody's using alternative video doorbells to Ring, I'd be interested to find out how it's going. Now, a few things to tell you about that are being given away at the moment in this uh, extraordinary age in which we live. And it just goes to show how fast things have moved because a couple of weeks ago, I made a note to talk about TripIt. (laughs) Seems like such a long time ago now. TripIt is a really good service. And when things start coming right again, I still encourage you to check out TripIt. The idea of this service is that you get a lot of emails pertaining to travel itineraries. It could be flights, hotel yes, I know it's a different world, isn't it? Flights, hotel confirmations, you know, train trips, everything associated it could it could even be concert tickets, all these things that are associated with travel. And Tripit's one place where you can just put them all together. And the way you do that is really easy. You forward them by email. Forward those emails to plans at Tripit.com. And if you've not set up a Tripit account, the first time you send an email to plans at Tripit.com with a forwarded itinerary of some kind, it takes you through the process of signing up with Tripit. The app's pretty accessible, it's laden. Laden is what it is with Siri shortcuts. And they also have a TripIt Pro feature, which tells you things like whether you can get a cheaper flight, whether you can do a detour, whether your flight's delayed, what gate your flight is arriving at or leaving from. And you can set Siri shortcut things up for all of these. And so I often, when I used to fly, I would just say to Siri, TripIt Gate Info. And it would tell me the gate. It will, I can also say TripIt Baggage Claim Info. And it would tell me the baggage carousel that my bag was going to be on. And then I would uh, either use Ira or get assistance to get to the baggage carousel. I have, of course, a tile in my suitcase. So I can page the suitcase and hear it beep. So the whole combination of TripIt and the tile system, it's brilliant. And so they are offering TripIt Pro now for free. (laughs) Uh, But no one is probably interested in TripIt Pro right now, but it will be a great service to come back to when things have uh, changed. Also, Headspace, the meditation app. to it's a, it's a good app, I guess. It's not my favorite meditation app. Not my favorite one, but it's quite accessible these days. It didn't used to be. I'm not saying that it's not worth checking out. Headspace is a very popular app, and... um you can now get that free until the end of the year if you are in the healthcare profession. And I believe that deal is limited to the United States, but you could check out the Headspace app next week. I hope to spend quite some time on an app that I think is just absolutely wonderful. And I just discovered it. And um, meditation has helped me so much. And in the last few weeks, I think it's all the meditating I've been doing in the last few years has really paid off. Now, we talked earlier when George McLaughlin was asking about fitness that's accessible, fitness apps, and we talked about the Blind Alive workouts that are available, and they're very well described because they're specifically designed for blind people. Also, the seven-minute workout is a pretty popular way to uh, keep on top of your fitness if you usually use a gym and you're not able to do that at the moment um, One of the seven-minute workout apps, one of many, is Carrot Fit. You may be familiar with Carrot Weather, which is a sort of a snarky weather app with a lot of features. It also works on the Apple Watch, and I highly recommend Carrot Weather. Actually, it is my favorite weather app. It's so customizable, and the data sources are numerous. It's just a brilliant app. But they also do one called Carrot Fit, which has lots of snark in it. The Carrot Fit app, is free. That's carrot like the vegetable. It is free for a limited time. So you can go to the App Store and download the Carrot Fit app and do some seven minute workouts with Snark. That will help you um, keep uh, fit and healthy. Also, a wee while ago, we reviewed Backpack Studio, which is an app that allows you to produce podcasts. You can even stream live on the interweb with it these days. Backpack Studio is half price at the moment. And this is for those people who perhaps normally work in a studio that is not at home and they're away from their regular equipment because they can't leave home. If you would like to keep the podcasts coming and you want to do it from your phone, then you can check out Backpack Studio. The developer's commitment to accessibility is just first rate. It now has keyboard support if you have access to an external keyboard, which can make the production process even easier. And that is available half price right now. Those are a few freebies that might help you in these times. I had another email from someone who wanted to remain anonymous, and that's fine, who raised a really good question. And I wanted to cover it because I imagine if one person's asking it, it might be something that other people are asking. And the question is essentially this. Jonathan, anonymous, very polite, very, very polite, anonymous questioner asks, When you talk about these things, like last week you talked about phone soap and you talk about the uh, Castro app and you're so effusive about these apps and so enthusiastic, are you being paid by the app developer or product developer to be so effusive about them? And it's a fair question and the answer is no. If we were in any way being paid, that would be an advertisement, and I would make it very clear. We would we would essentially say we're taking a break. So you may remember if you were listening to me when I was doing the Blindside podcast, we would advertise HMA VPN, and we would make money to help keep the podcast going through that through an affiliate program. And we would make it very clear that um, we were plugging this because it was a way to support the podcast. If I didn't believe in a product, I wouldn't mention it. I would rather forego the revenue uh, then do do that, but we don't we don't actually need to make money from the show. Um, I'm very fortunate, at least not now, <laughs> not for now. I'm very fortunate. So no, um, I just get quite enthusiastic about stuff I like, and I can understand why some people think, "Man, he's so enthusiastic." This sounds like an ad, but no, I'm only telling you about these things because I'm really jazzed about them, and I think that you might like them too. But there is absolutely no uh, incentive financially for me to. Change hands and even when I've worked for other companies, if I've ever felt uncomfortable about promoting something, even when I'm paid to promote it, and obviously when I when I worked for assistive technology companies, that was my job, I would think very carefully about why I was still there. I can honestly say there is only one podcast in my whole career I've ever done where I totally violently opposed what I had to say. You'll just have to figure out which one it was. <laughs> uh, Caroline says, having lived in both the US and Canada, I can definitely say that Canada is much more a cashless society than in the US. I noticed that we can pay in New Zealand for cabs and all sorts of things electronically. All the taxis here take Apple Pay, uh, you know, and, and it's pretty common. But you go to the States, it's, it's much harder. I've heard a review, says Christopher Duffley, of the Nest video doorbell, and the audio quality is a lot better. There's still some noise reduction, but it's definitely a good one to invest in. I'll have to see if they're serving the New Zealand market.
7: Hi, Jonathan. This is Richard Claypool here in Baltimore County, Maryland. How are you doing? And... Waving my hand at everybody in your audience. Do you know, or does anyone know, of a way to look at subscriptions on YouTube uh, via Grave, or Firefox, or anything else? I have looked, and I cannot find anything, and I've talked to a friend who says, he can't find anything. The reason why I like to watch it on my computer is, well, because it's hooked up to my sound system, and... I have the YouTube blocker on Firefox. And I do believe that there's one building on Brave. I've just started messing with it.
0: Thanks, Richard. I don't have any trouble finding my subscriptions in YouTube. I use Chrome again because I just find it's still the most reliable experience for me. And there's a subscription tab right there, and I choose that, and it's all just rocking. I also should, while we're talking about YouTube, put in a good word for Doug Lee's free YouTube scripts. They are amazing. So you install those into JAWS and it's really easy to skip ads, to get to the volume slider, to play and pause, a whole bunch of really useful functions. And that's made possible because in recent versions of JAWS, they have allowed for the ability to script individual websites, which is incredibly cool. But I don't know what the issue is there. It might be relating to your specific subscription or or account, Richard. But for me, no issue at all. With Jaws, finding the subscriptions tab and checking in to see what's new. Although, for the most part, my YouTube experience does take place on the iPhone. Oh, it's Amy Raw Hello, Amy. Thanks again for making your Zoom tutorial free. I have a couple of questions. Is it possible to invite an email list rather than invite individuals through contacts? If not, do you just place the link to the meeting into your usual email client Yeah, the link doesn't have to be anywhere special amy so you can use any means that you like the only advantage of doing it through a calendar invitation is of course that it appears on people's calendars for people who have busy lives but if you want to say you're on a group of people and you would like them all to attend, like it might be a group on groups.io or something like that, you can absolutely just paste the link in. And in fact, that's what we did yesterday. We had a little Mushroom FM conflab where all the Mushroom FM fun guys who were available got together on the Zoom and I just sent it to our internal Mushroom FM staff list at 5 p.m. Eastern, whack this link, and they did, and it was good. Yeah, So you can you can absolutely do that. You can send it by social media, you know, pop it into a Facebook post if you want, and that's all going to work. Also, says Amy, when is it most appropriate to use your PMI? Oh, TMI. Oh, no, PMI, I see. Yeah. I would use that with people who you don't mind being bothered by, because once they have it, they've got it and it works permanently. So I am chief executive of an organization. We we use Teams internally, by the way. Um, we're, we're a Microsoft office shop, so we would, we would probably use Teams for this. But let's say that we were using Zoom exclusively, and some organizations do. And it's important for you to be able to have people virtually popping into your office while you're working from home. So normally someone would just put their head around the door or knock on the door or whatever. You can't do that when you're all telecommuting, right? But if you give those staff who need that kind of access to you, your personal meeting ID, and you sit in there, you just have it running in the background while you're working away, then somebody can virtually pop into your office. And I have worked for organizations where we would do this. Ira, for example, uses Zoom internally, well, and externally too. And so I would just have the personal meeting ID open, just have the Zoom client running in the background, not even in the tab order. And I could just be working away, even doing audio production if it wasn't mission critical. And suddenly I just hear the little doorbell sound and somebody would be there. They can quickly ask me a question or just say, hi, you know, what's going on? And and then go again. And you would stay in the personal meeting room um, waiting to see who else popped up. So that's when I would use it personally. I hope that that helps. I've also, by the way, ordered a lavalier microphone. Because I expect I will be working from home for quite some time. What I have been doing is using a very nice high-quality headset. But I don't need the headset, right? Because the audio from my mixer is coming directly into my hearing aid. So it's completely redundant to be wearing a headset. And, of course, when you're doing all this video conferencing, you look like you are wearing a headset. I do have a question about this. See, so many people write to me with tech questions. I'm going to fire a tech question out to the global audience. The global audience. And it's this. As I mentioned on last week's show, I really like the fact that you can run the camera app on your iPhone and you can be in front of the front facing camera and it tells you whether the camera can see you. And I find this incredibly useful for video conferencing. You know, it says one face in center of screen or whatever. And then you know that when you pop into a conference call, people will be able to see you. And it gives me peace of mind i mean I, I I think it's really important that we take care of these things that we look like we know what we're doing in this age of teleworking, so I tend to use my iPhone for video conferencing precisely for that reason when me being when me displaying video is important in my studio here we do have a mounted camera, and I'm advised that when I sit where I usually sit here in the office slash studio, I am in front of the camera uh, and i have my very top quality Sony MB-77 lavalier microphone on, which is apparently used by a lot of TV networks, so it's going to sound great. But I would still like some reassurance before I enter the call that the camera is seeing me in the best possible light. And I'm wondering if anybody has found an equivalent app or function of any kind in Windows that means you can run a Windows app, be in front of the camera and have your screen reader speak to you that the camera is seeing you and with what degree of sort of accuracy is it seeing you. If there is an app that does this, perhaps there's a Windows app that does it. It's not something I've had to investigate really much before. I would be most interested in finding this out. It's the mighty Quinn. It's Pam Quinn in sunny Iowa. And she says a big thumbs up for Eloquence on iOS I will be one of the first to grab it if it becomes available. It would be a dream come true. Yes, me too, Pam. I can definitely empathize with the worry of the continued availability of dog food myself. No indication that it won't be available. But these are such times of uncertainty. It's natural to be concerned, isn't it? But Certainly here in New Zealand, we've been advised that supply of everything is plentiful. We just have to control ourselves. And unfortunately, it is tough when we are trying to control ourselves, and a lot of other people are not, isn't it? Also, says Pam, wanted to let everyone know that a local pianist from here in Monticello is doing concerts on Facebook Live from home for those who enjoy that. We've been to several of his concerts, and he is quite Talented. He's such a nice man, and I find his music very relaxing in stressful times like these. He has a uh, St. Patrick's Day concert as well as a medley of requests up on Facebook, and I believe he's planning to have live concerts every Tuesday and Friday on Facebook at noon that is central time in the United States. If interested, look for Jim. McDonough it's M-C-D-O-N-O-U-G-H that's Jim and then the last name is spelled M-C-D-O-N-O-U-G-H music on Facebook I heard that Willie Nelson is doing something similar but not sure on which social platform what a kind thing to
2: do Hi, this is Shirley, uh, Shirley. I to say hi to everybody I tell you, I'm having a, a- a tough time with this, uh, coronavirus thing. We're here in Florida at the moment, not really knowing when we should or can or whatever, go, you know, back to Ohio. We, uh, we spend, uh, some of our winter down here or most of the winter. And we came kind of late this year because of a couple of things, but I just feel kind of isolated at the moment and, I don't think I would have as much of a problem with this if I knew when it was going to end or have some idea. I can deal with most things, you know, if I know when it ends in sight. But I just kind of feel like this is going to go on forever. You know, we keep hearing so many different things from a couple of weeks, which I just don't believe it could be, from uh, a couple of months to, you know, I've heard friends of mine say, "Oh, they think this could go on for a couple of years." And I tell you, I think it's it's mentally um, difficult to to deal with it. And they're talking about putting stay-at-home restrictions here in Florida, which you know we're we're pretty much there already, uh, except going out to get food and things of that nature. So. I hope everybody stays in touch with each other, and I appreciate the fact that you're doing a show like this and keeping us all entertained and informed, and I wish the best to everyone.
0: Thank you, Shirley. And one of the things that I've done over the last little while, some years now, is to keep a gratitude journal. And one of the things that I will certainly be writing in that gratitude journal is just how grateful I am for this community that we have built up over now, well over 20 years, because I know that surely you have been listening for a very long time. And so when it comes to crises like this, we know each other. Right? We we sort of feel like we look forward to getting together at a time like this and just checking in on one another. And i I have come to realize just over the last couple of weeks how incredibly precious that actually is, so we send you the best and I completely understand about the uncertainty. And I know I'm going to get you know, people annoyed and I'm sorry about that, but I've always said what I think on the show. I think one of the particular issues that the United States is confronting is the erratic behavior by the president and the lack of leadership. I think it is adding to the anxiety. And I would say that regardless of the individual's political persuasion, Because in the end, I think most people in a crisis like this are willing to set politics aside for a while. And you look, for example, at Winston Churchill during World War II. You look at FDR during World War II. They were inspiring leaders. They gave people optimism. They gave people a sense that, yes, times are tough. And of course, people were losing loved ones and, 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 and many more were missing loved ones who were fighting for freedom. But there was an element of inspirational leadership and hope. And yesterday, as I put the show together, you had a situation where a journalist asked a very genuine question at a media conference in the United States. He simply said, what can you say to Americans who are feeling scared right now. And I hear that scaredness coming through in some of the contributions. It's the uncertainty. It's the, will, will I be able to get food for my dog? Will I be able to get groceries for myself? So it's a legitimate question to ask somebody who has a leadership role to play. What can you say to the people that you lead who are feeling scared right now? And what did he say? He opened up on the journalist in a vicious, completely unprovoked attack. And that is despicable behavior at a time like this, when people need leadership, no matter where the individuals, no matter what the individuals party, they just want to feel like someone's taking control of it and someone's taking charge. If they felt that somebody was doing that, it would be a little bit easier to cope with you know, you have so many things that he has promised that are just completely not true. Ships that were supposed to be appearing to, to 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 ease the burden, websites that were supposed to be developed, malaria drugs that haven't even been proven to help. And you know, I just I just wonder how long the American people are willing to put up with it. I don't know what you do um and, and before now, before November, But I I think leadership at a time like this makes all the difference. All the difference. So I I wish everybody the best, particularly in the United States, because no matter what party you come from, I would like to think that you would get some comfort from any president who just showed a modicum of decency and inspirational leadership. It's just appalling. Mm It's Bonnie Moses. Hello. How's it going, mate? Good. How are you? Well, I am doing super well, keeping super busy, which yeah, is good. I like it that but, way. Yeah,
6: it's good to be busy.
0: It, it certainly is. Yes. Yeah. How is it for you out there?
6: It's a little eerie. I've been taking the bus into work, and the buses have been pretty empty, which is nice. One day they were packed. I'm not sure what that was all about, but. It's nice being able to get to work in less than an hour. For now, here in New Zealand, it's pretty normal. You know, a lot more hand washing, which I do anyway, and uh, hygiene and that sort of thing. But the biggest abnormality is what we're seeing all over the world is the panic buying, which that's not going to stop. I mean, that's just ingrained in our soul. You know, if, if a meteorologist announces snow, everybody goes to the grocery store to get bread and milk.
0: We have had quite a few changes, though our borders have been completely uh, shut now for all non-residents and citizens, and it won't be long before they shut altogether. So they're sort of saying to all New Zealanders to come home. Of course, the danger of doing that is that you will have up to 80,000 New Zealanders who are out of the country at the moment coming home from goodness knows where. And yeah. potentially bring it in. And but, I
6: think, honestly, if I were out of the country, even I would just stay where I was. I think it's more. You than, might have to. Anyway. I would. I mean, no. I would.
0: And then, of course, we now have uh, the possibility of community transmission, with a couple of cases that they haven't been able to trace back to travel, mm-hmm. and so that's really escalating things. Um, the prime minister gave a great speech yesterday, and she announced a four-level alert system. We are now on level two, and that means that uh, businesses who can manage are being asked to work from home from now on, and that's why I've closed all our mm-hmm. offices. So we are now in the official working from home mode. Uh, so so things are changing. And I'll tell you what. I went to the mall yesterday. It was quite dystopian because I think we were about the only people there. Uh, yeah. Heidi and I went. uh, There must
6: have been some in the countdown. I mean, there had to be some. In the supermarket, yeah.
0: Yeah. The geek in me can't help observing this. We have some broadcasters who are um, broadcasting from home now. Mm -hmm. And that's quite interesting. There's something about our public broadcaster, RNZ. I don't know what internet (laughs) – this is me geeking out again. I don't know what internet connection they're using, but there's some latency in it. And you can really notice the latency – when some of these uh, presenters are now working from home. But it sounds like they might be using something like Clean Feed as well. I like
6: the other day when the guy was doing the business report and they said, going to Kiruri in Wellington. So, oh, he just announced where he lived. Yes. You know, so that was kind of funny. Yeah, we don't know so, where in Kirori he lives, but we know that he lives there. So. <laughs>
0: and I know the BBC is doing the same thing. I, I follow Nick Robinson on Twitter, who is a broadcaster I really like. I just think he sounds like such a nice man and yet he – he get some, some some people interview by bullying people and and creating a confrontation situation nick robinson's one of those people who just get stuff out of people by quite often being quite subtle about it mm-hmm. he he was broadcasting from his basement on the bbc that's today that's my program. interview
6: method apparently oh yeah yeah apparently that i can <laughs> abstract information just people talking and then all of a sudden they've told, you know, I really shouldn't have told you I
0: I thought your interview method was broadcasting from the basement. I thought that's what you – No, no. That's
6: my interview style apparently. Right, right. I see. People just tell me stuff and then I can't use it because (laughs) it's not for public consumption.
0: And I know that what uh, Shirley, I think, was saying will have resonated with you because I know one of the things you're finding – we each have our own challenges about the situation. For me – it's very much an economic – you know, as a chief executive, that's mm-hmm. the economic challenges. For you, it is that when does this stop, isn't it? It's kind of not not, not knowing what the end point
6: it's is. It's sort of like your worst nightmare of a plague. And I was – Do you really think? I mean – It's if, always been my worst nightmare as a plague.
0: But we've got to be cautious, but we've got to make sure we keep it in perspective, don't you think?
6: Well, I mean, the 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 media and other things are – definitely it's a very very serious situation but when you're seeing so many references to the black death and you know different things like that and it is totally different it's a totally different time and you know a lot of it is more connecting connections so i mean it is a worldwide epidemic and there have been epidemics before i mean they they I was reading something about when a lot of people started the Westward expansion. It was because there were cholera outbreaks in New York and Missouri. So this isn't anything new. It's just different. A, it's, and it's highly infectious. And I it's think infectious. Which a yeah. lot of things are. I mean, cholera was very infectious. The polio epidemic was also very infectious. Yes, yeah. yes. And that was um, a lot of people that I know remember that. Remember that a lot of people either died or were left in iron lungs, or, mm. you know, a mm. friend of mine had polio as a child, and she still has some post-polio symptoms today. And I still remember taking the polio vaccine. It was salty.
0: What I find really concerning is particularly, I don't want to stereotype a particular demographic, but when you are younger, you tend to think you're you're invincible, don't you? Yeah. And so we do have a lot of people who just don't think it can happen to them. Yeah. But- and
6: no, it was good to see the governor kicking all the partiers off Panama City Beach yesterday.
0: They did that in Bondi Beach in Australia as well, apparently. They've they've done that as well. Um,
6: And that's another thing, just seeing a couple things. I'll just throw this out here. I'm very, very proud of how my... I'm a horse racing person. I'm very proud of how the community is coming together. Are there disagreements within the community? Absolutely, because that's just the way it is. But a lot of the farms right now are offering virtual tours. And yesterday I just, I watched, it wasn't one of the horse farms, it was a trainer friend of mine. He just showed feeding his horses. He just put up a YouTube video of feeding his horses. He had some music on in the background. He was just kind of talking about what he was doing. And it was just the most calming thing that I have ever seen. It was just so normal and you felt connected. And I think we're going to be seeing more of that. The horse farms are showing the mares with their foals and, um, different things like that. And it's really just very connecting because you're just seeing normal life that, yeah, there's this virus out here on the loose, but life is still going on. And we forget that some things do, you still get up, you still cook dinner, you still have to do laundry, you still have to make sure you have lots of toilet paper. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, life still goes on. And that was one thing that we've been trying to come up with because when you're in a service delivery sector, such as, as rehab, which we're seeing around the world, different rehab places trying to change the way they, they provide services. And one thing I was thinking after seeing all that is YouTube videos and how mm. – and I think Sarah or somebody mentioned earlier about keeping fit and – this is a great opportunity to explore social media, if you will, or digital channels. And I was thinking, yeah, why not do YouTube videos and blogging and, and, and things like that? Because you can use those as a teaching tool. And, and
0: podcasting.
6: And podcasting.
0: The other thing is that there's always a silver lining. I think when you go through a major event like this, things don't quite return to the way they were before. And many of us will be a lot more competent with Conferencing technology yeah. than we used to be. As a hearing impaired person, I find this actually really encouraging. And I'm not saying that this that I'm I'm celebrating the situation. I I'm up to my neck in some pretty difficult situations at the moment. But for example, um, there's a chamber of commerce function. We belong to the Wellington Regional Chamber of Commerce, and they have these functions where everybody gets together for a little drinky pool and um, uh, a mingle and things like that. And for me, as someone with a hearing impairment, I find those situations quite challenging. Uh, Less so now with the new hearing technology I have, I have to say. But still, it's something that I would think twice about doing, especially, I think, when you're a blind person as well as a hearing impaired person, because you sort of inserting yourself into those things is a bit difficult as a blind person, mm-hmm. I find. Now they're doing them online. And I'm thinking, oh, for the first time, I might go to one of these things.
6: And I also just want to throw this out there. If anybody, I'm seeing a lot of this on social media right now. If anyone needs someone to talk to, feel free to email me. And we can Skype or FaceTime or something like that. Probably just email me at my Mushroom FM address, com. You could tweet me, but I don't always see the tweets. No, you don't. I don't, know because <laughs> it doesn't push. But It uh, doesn't? No. Oh, uh-uh.
0: it well, sounds like a job for Jonathan to yeah, fix. Yeah,
6: so, you know, if you need someone to talk to or just want someone to talk to, it doesn't have to be, you know, if you just want to talk about books or, or movies or dogs or, you know, whatever, feel free to, to do that. I am a writer and... People were talking about struggling to write and, you know, that sort of thing. And somebody posted this morning on our group that you still need escapism. And Mm. Shakespeare wrote King Lear during the plague. Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein during some sort of plague.
0: And look at all the great music that has been written in times of adversity. Exactly. Without adversity, there wouldn't be the blues.
6: Exactly. (laughs) I mean, uh, misery breeds creativity, I think.
0: (laughs) I'm just going through. We've got all sorts of email coming through now. You're getting people chatting. Ah, is it Carolyn Peachy listens to you. Cool. Yeah, but let me just backtrack. Here's Kathy Blackburn who says, starting last Sunday, our church began streaming the Sunday yeah, morning worship of, service on Facebook Live. Yeah. I have tried to listen to other Facebook Live events and I often found the audio hard to hear. It's
6: hard. Some of it is terrible. I was I was listening Last to.
0: Can I can I finish yeah. it? Uh-huh. <laughs> Last Sunday, I made sure I was on the church's Facebook page before the start time. I had difficulty finding whatever I needed to click on to hear the audio. I used Messenger to ask another member if she had found it, although she is cited. She messaged me back that she was also having trouble. I finally got the audio about three minutes before the end. The volume level was much too low and our historic sanctuary echoes like the Dickens. Uh, Audley eliminated his Facebook account years ago and it appears that he will not be able to access the audio without creating a new account. My experience with Zoom is orders of magnitude superior to Facebook Live. I have already emailed the pastors suggesting that we use Zoom instead. Members who don't have internet or don't want to be on social media could call in by phone. But for the time being, we're stuck with Facebook Live. Have others experience consistently low volume on Facebook Live? Uh, Kathy, I think that Facebook Live is probably not the issue. It's just the delivery mechanism. I've heard some very good quality streams on yeah. Facebook Live. The trouble is that most people think it's okay to just get an iPhone, you know, plonk it somewhere, and they are more focused on the video than the audio. So yeah. they might sit a little bit back, say, from the, the pastor in this, in this case, and so they can get him fully in the frame without thinking – about the really awful sound that they're producing What they really need to do Is get a little, say if you're using an iPhone You could get a little dongle for your iPhone That plugs into the lightning port And then there would be A cable That runs from that dongle To a mixer Because presumably your church uses some sort of sound system Some sort of mixer um, You would probably need to mount it on a tripod What's that thing that you've
6: got? Yeah, Manfredo
0: oh, That's quite a cute little thing mounted on a tripod, run a cable run a cable to the mixer and it should sound okay on Facebook live. Our prime minister Jacinda Ardern uses Facebook live to communicate with New Zealanders all the time Her her audio's fantastic actually. She sounds very good.
6: Yeah, some of them and even some news uh news outlets which are, you know, it's not like Joe's news service but really reputable news outlets use Facebook live and sometimes it's horrible. So I guess they're not doing you know what i really stuff. like
0: is periscope um that's another option periscope is a kind of oh, a yeah, broadcast audio and video platform it's a shame that periscope doesn't seem to get more press than it does because they've modified periscope it's quite accessible now and you can also do audio presentations where you can actually have guests who you talk to from a remote location with and periscope
6: it's spelled p
0: e r i s c o p e like the submarine you know and I am a big Periscope user because a lot of the UK and American networks are on it. Sadly, not New Zealand. I don't know why. But so they push you little notifications. You can follow. It's like it's a Twitter product now. So you follow people on Periscope like you follow them on Twitter. And then when they are streaming live, you get a push notification telling you so. So I um get I've got ABC, NBC. PBS, um, quite a few American sources, NASA uh, in the UK I have Sky and uh, who else ITV, a few others like that so when something like, and, and I follow Boris Johnson's Periscope account which actually belongs to, to Downing Street itself so when read the Cat So when they are streaming something like a briefing, you get a notification just before it's happening and you can click in and watch it. And what I really like about Periscope is that once you start playing the stream on your iPhone, you can actually go back to the home screen. You can do other things, you know, check email and just have it going in the background. And it just keeps going. The audio keeps playing. And also, if you didn't see it live, you can go through all the things that you've missed at your convenience, and catch up. Here's Carolyn Pete. Hi, Carolyn Pete. She says hi, Jonathan. I was involved in two blindness-related meetings this week on Zoom. More than seventy people joined in on the guide dog town hall yeah, meeting.
6: Yeah, I was going to go to that
0: hosted by Blind and Low Vision NZ. How did that
6: go, Carolyn? Feel free to hear me She says it
0: worked quite well. Then yesterday, Blind Citizens Auckland held their general meeting via Zoom. Yes, it's a great platform. And for those who aren't online, it doesn't exclude them either because, as Kathy rightly says... You can call in.
6: You can call
4: in.
0: The World Health Organization has come up with a WhatsApp group... And it's not one of those. I I don't join WhatsApp groups because I don't want people having my phone number. And that's one of the sad things about WhatsApp is that once you join a WhatsApp group, you are essentially giving your phone number away to everybody who is on that group. And that's just a step too far for me. So it's not like that. This is kind of like a distribution list. It's a bot type thing. There's a number that you can text to and, I will try and put a link to this in the show notes. Uh, When you send a text, a WhatsApp text to that link, and I also believe there's a Facebook Messenger version of this available, you will get the bot coming back and helping you through any COVID-19-related questions that you have. So that's a pretty cool idea. On the technology front, lots of Apple news to talk about. First of all, iOS 13.4, has now gone into the golden master stage and it'll be released on the 24th of March. So not too long to wait for that. Um, I do have some good news with iOS 13.4 and some bad news. The good news is that the repeating notifications issue does appear to have been resolved. So that's absolutely fantastic. I haven't had a repeating notification for a long time. Second, there was a little glitch throughout most of the iOS 13.4 cycle where the triple tapping of um, the screen to get into the context menu for your app when you're on the home screen was not working. And of course, for context menus embedded in the app as well. Now it is working and I use that all the time. So for example, with the Uber app, I don't go into the Uber app in the morning. I just used to triple, triple tap the Uber icon and work would be one of my options that came up and I would just double tap and... Voila, that's your actual French. I've ordered the Uber. So that is working again. Unfortunately, particularly given that these times that we're living in are generating so many notifications, one of the downsides is that notifications are broken again in terms of the scrolling of them. You may remember that in the beginning of iOS 13, we had a problem where you couldn't just endlessly flick through as a voiceover user all of the notifications that came in overnight. And I have a lot of breaking news notifications. I have Periscope, for example. And so sometimes in the morning when I've woken up, I've woken up to 70 or 80 push notifications. And iOS 14.4, sadly, is not coping with that well. The only strategy to get around this is to use the actions rotor to clear each notification as you've dealt with it. It's a pain. But in the wider scheme of things, we can cope, right? Because we're pretty resilient right now. So that's one downside of iOS 13.4. But there are some definite benefits. That issue of deleting mail has not been resolved, where sometimes you delete an email and the focus just jumps somewhere random in the email client. Unfortunately, that has not been fixed. We would have had an Apple event at about this time had we been living in normal times. Uh, But we are not, and so there is not. However, there's some new Apple stuff to tell you about. Apple has released a new MacBook Air. Uh, The nice news about this is that it is without the dodgy keyboard. When Heidi, who was quite a happy Mac user, her MacBook sort of exploded, not quite that badly, but the the power supply or the, the motherboard, I think it was the motherboard, gave up the ghost and essentially... To replace the motherboard by the time you had the labour and that sort of thing, it would have it was just about uh, as cheap to buy a whole new Mac. But Heidi actually chose not to have a new Mac specifically because of the keyboards in the new Macs, and many people have had a lot of trouble with these keyboards. Um, some adapted to the feel of them, but there were a lot of keyboard malfunctions. And the most recent MacBook Air had that dodgy keyboard. It's now been replaced by a much better one, and everybody is saying this is a marvellous keyboard in the new MacBook Air. Also, the um, benchmarking is showing a considerable speed improvement for the MacBook Air over the 2018 model. 256 gigabytes of storage at the base. And so it looks like a very good computer. A base price of nine ninety-nine U.S., and it's available online because, of course, all the Apple stores are shut. <laughs> um, but if, you, uh, if you're interested in the Mac world, this sounds like the laptop of 2020 to get. It sounds like a really nice price point, good functionality. And that new MacBook Air sounds like it's going to be a winner. There is also a new iPad Pro that Apple has announced this week. It has the uh, Apple Magic keyboard with a track pad. And this is another great example of how accessibility is responsible for a feature that then goes mainstream because they originally introduced sort of mouse support for accessibility reasons. And then a lot of people got excited about it and said, we want this too. And as they're trying to make the iPad a more fully fledged computer, they really have embraced this whole trackpad support. Um, I don't know whether it works like the trackpad on the MacBook Air, which is actually fully accessible. And you can flick and tap and things on a MacBook trackpad, much like you were using voiceover on your iPhone. So it will be very interesting to uh, see what that is actually like. No word of the Apple tile yet.
4: Here's
0: John. Hello, Jonathan, he says. I have numerous points to make this week. One, one point. Oh, oh. I wonder whether you remember me. I remember you asking about the accessibility of Mac and running Windows on it. Well, Windows works perfectly fine on my MacBook Pro. Yeah, um, Bonnie always used to say that the MacBook was the best Windows computer she'd ever owned. But, John continues, voiceover keeps on crashing on the Mac if you navigate too fast through the system. It forces me to restart voiceover, which is annoying. That's not good. I'm sort of tempted to have a look at that MacBook Air, to be honest, just to have, you know, the Mac in my life to play with. But uh, hmm, I wonder if that's a common thing. Hopefully people will chime in. Two, two of the numerous points. uh, On the topic of bullying, I have not been bullied myself, thankfully, but have heard of friends whose bags would be taken away and hidden in school or be thrown on the floor, causing everything to spill out. Bullying behavior is something which should be stopped in kids when early failing, which uh, might develop into other criminal behavior for lack of sanction or knowledge. And three, on the topic of the mosque attack, I agree with everything you said. We have to guard against such unneeded hatred in all our humanities. We might think that such attacks might not not happen in our community, but we will never know when the worst side of humanity might rear its head. Our species is known as mankind. Wouldn't it be awesome if we were all kind to each other? It's one of the things that I'm really, really pleased that our Prime Minister is saying at this time. Every speech she gives, she is saying at the end of it, be kind to each other. And for those interested, I highly encourage listening to the speech that she gave yesterday, New Zealand Time, on COVID-19, because that is what leadership looks like. Four, this is a question. Oh, my word. Do you have an echo... echo studio. Is it a good speaker? Um, well, no, I don't. And yes, I believe it is a very good speaker. All of the reviews that I've read of the Echo Studio and some of the personal anecdotes from listeners to the show, I haven't heard anybody say that the Echo Studio is a piece of soup. I have not heard that. Uh, I've heard quite the opposite, that it is a really good product. So um, I'd give it the thumbs up based on what I've read. For all the other listeners, I shall discover how Jonathan changed his wake word and reveal all. I wish you all the very best with that. We go to Texas and Vanessa Ransley. Well, I thought that since I transplanted Christopher Wright from Texas to Australia, I could transplant Vanessa Ransley from Australia to Texas and make it all even, eh? Even. Nice to hear from you, Vanessa. She says, hi, Jonathan. That ringtone is gold with three exclamation marks. This is the one we played last week uh, that Brian did, the, the minuet from the old sharp talking time. I still have my sharp talking clock, which I got for my birthday in 1980. Goodness me. It tells the time but doesn't cope with alarms anymore. It still lives by my bed. Could you please send the details, if you have them, of where they can be purchased from? I can't imagine not having one. And Braille should most definitely be spelled with a capital B. That is all. Quite right. As for phone soap, it sounds like a good idea. After all, we all know what happened to the, I knew, I thought somebody had raised this. We all know what happened to the inhabitants of Golga Frinchim in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy when they sent all the telephone sanitizers off on Ark Ship B. Yeah, Brian Gaff actually raised this last weekend as well. Thank you, Vanessa. Great to hear from you. And phone soap is way backlogged now. I'd like to think that it was. Or the Mosin Explosion and Mosin at large listeners. But I suspect I'm not fully responsible. But um, somebody told me they were trying to order one. And it's way backlogged now. So I'm lucky that I got in when I did. Vanessa, I'm pretty sure I remember seeing on RS Games somewhere that said that they were selling the sharp talking time. I have no idea how that's possible for a 40-year-old product. I don't think I'm imagining it because I must admit sometimes when I've heard the ad once or twice about, you know, on RS games, I skip it, which I shouldn't really say because Mosin at large is actually advertising on RS games. If somebody has any details about who it is that is selling those devices, please let us know. And if I do get a chance to play RS games, I'll keep an ear out for you, Vanessa, and see if I can catch it. I've been a Braille screen input user, says Kelby Carlson, for years, but I've encountered significant issues after upgrading to iOS number 13. The first and major one is that frequently swiping right for space doesn't do anything, or sometimes results in a dot 2 appearing instead of a space. The second one, which is more of an annoyance than a real issue, are strange boop sounds that occur frequently as I'm typing in Braille. I've looked in the Braille screen, input settings, as well as the keyboard settings, but haven't been successful in fixing the problem. Hope you can shed some light on this. I've seen, I think I've heard the second one, Kelby, and I've just sort of kept calm and carried on regardless. I haven't seen the first one, so maybe somebody can elucidate for us and give us some information. Here's a name that I remember way, way back from all sorts of email lists and things. It's Angus McKinnon. And Angus says that he's been listening since episode number eight of Mosin at Large near Vancouver in British Columbia, Canada. Ah, you might know our friend who was on the podcast earlier. I have a black lab guide dog, Vaquero, I think. Also with the guide dog coalition with Yvonne Peters sharing it. There you go. And then Angus is sending, don't panic, the Ars Technica Guide to COVID 19. I have tweeted this when it came out and it is being updated daily. I will put a show link to it in the podcast. I highly recommend it.
1: Mosin at large Podcast.
0: A quick one from Maureen Schultz. All well here. Lost temporarily, though, both my reader and my housekeeping assistant. I can only imagine what it's like for people needing 24-7 attendance. Also feeling very fortunate to be able to tune into German media and hearing Angela Merkel. Now there is a leader. Yes, indeed, that is leadership from her as well. My employers are um, making me work from home, dependent on uh, enrolling into their platform and it needs Microsoft Authenticator. Hope I can figure that out by Monday. You should be able to do that, Maureen. Microsoft Authenticator is quite straightforward, but there's a lot for people to take in at once, so I do wish you luck. Just one final reminder that in these extraordinary times, the Mushroom FM show that I do normally pre-recorded during the week, the Board will be live whenever possible, an hour in the morning and an hour in the afternoon US Eastern time and they'll be different so you can hear the show at 2 a.m. and 2 p.m. Eastern time every weekday that is currently 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. in the UK it's 7 p.m. and 7 a.m. in New Zealand and 5 p.m. and 5 a.m. in Eastern Australia